Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Brittany Griner pleads guilty. She's a WNBA player in Russia. You never know what to believe from the Russians. The claim that she had some kind of cannabis or hashish on her, why she would have it in Russia is beyond understanding, beyond comprehension. She was trying to get to the airport, trying to get back to the United States when she got busted a few months ago. I shouldn't say a few months ago, it was February. She's been awaiting trial since then. And said in court, I'd like to plead guilty, Your Honor, but there was no intent. I didn't want to break the law. I'd like to give my testimony later. I need time to prepare. Ah. This gets stranger and weirder every step of the way. I've made the argument that... the, the ignorance of doing this should not go um, unrecognized. But it's Vladimir Putin and it's Russia. I don't trust these people at all. Americans come back. The, the, these be the rules. Otto Warmbier was a damn fool for trying to steal something from North Korea. But what happened to Otto Warmbier is the fault of a violent, disgusting commie regime. And Kim Jong-un still needs to suffer for it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, that's the show. Good to be with you guys. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY, that is the number. So what happens now? I mean, people are talking left and right because she's going to trial. If this was LeBron James, he'd already be home. Maybe, I I think the question is, where has the WNBA and the NBA been since February? In March, in April, in May, and in June, not not a word. We've talked about it more than they have. Not a word. This is something else. Now there's conversations of whether or not there would be a prison swap Uh, Names being uh, mentioned, I'd have to look into who some of these uh, people are. And the belief that unquestionably Putin wants to use Griner in negotiating leverage in a prisoner swap case or maybe something else. Now it gets worse. Because these kind of swaps happen all the time. We know this is the case. We are fully aware of this. But to what extent is this used against the United States? Right? I don't worry about things like they're trying to humiliate Biden. Please, that's easy to do. Just hold an ice cream cone in front of him and watch him run. You can humiliate that guy super easy. Put him on a bike. Humiliation for Biden is, 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 a, is a no-brainer. An absolute no-brainer. The story gets uglier, and the problem grows. It's not the biggest story of the day. That's just the news that was breaking. The biggest story of the day 
is that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, has resigned. Saying, uh, yep, that's, uh, that's the way that one goes, good people. Good everybody. Good afternoon. It, thank you, thank you. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And I've agreed with Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of our backbench MPs, that the process of choosing that new leader should begin now. And the timetable will be announced next week. And I've today appointed a cabinet to serve, as I will, until a new leader is in place. So what happened? Because yesterday we were talking about this, and I said the words. He appoints a guy who's been accused of sexual impropriety, and that's going to take him down? He didn't get taken down from having basically parties during COVID when the entire country was locked down. This is going to do it? I should have put two and two together. I had both parts. I, I didn't do my addition. Shame on me. They were already disgusted with him. They were already infuriated with him. They were already driven crazy by him. And they said, you know what? This is it. This is the reason. So when we spoke yesterday, two uh, ministers had resigned in the overnight 40. They said, we're done. We're, you have to go. And then he said, oh, I, okay, I, I guess I have to go. Because it's funny, in the, in the, the, just the day before, he's like, what do you all step down? What? Oh, I've, I've, been, try, I've been trying very hard uh, throughout, these this, throughout, this, throughout these, uh, this session to talk about the things that I, that I care about. Now, how much consideration are you giving to the prospect of your resignation? Uh, I'm happy to tell you that I'm getting on with the job that I was elected to do, and that is what I'm going to do. So all and these I'm problems to, uh, are basically somebody else's fault? No, I, look, I think that um, I think it was so who is one of these people who's left. Who's who is responsible? I, who should I be am, held accountable? I, I am responsible, but I'm also responsible, uh, Bernard, for delivering a huge manifesto uh, commitments uh, that we made in 2019, many of which are now coming through. Uh, uh, Hugh asked about what are we doing uh, to make sure that we're, we're taxing electric vehicles properly. There is, there is a colossal body of work uh, that we're, we're engaged on right now. Uh, Yesterday, he's like, well, I got work to do. What are you talking crazy? What are you talking jibber-jabber, talking the smack? Today, gone. You know, I, I made mention of the fact that just a week or so ago, there he was at the G7 summit. And at the G7 summit, Boris Johnson was making fun of Vladimir Putin. Him and uh, Justin Trudeau, and what I said was was that this is not this is not leadership, this is not a rational mind, rational thoughts. This is this is pathetic. They were talking about Putin, you know, shirtless. He's fishing. He's wrestling a bear. I have no idea what he's what he's doing. And they're like, we should we should pose shirtless and we should do this and do that. <laughs> um. First. Not leadership. Embarrassing stuff. Second, you are out acting the fool during COVID while you tell other people they can't go visit their grandmother who's dying. Uh, they're going to hate you. Remember, they, don't, they aren't fans of Gavin Newsom in California. 
they are fans of only allowing Democrats to be in charge in California. Gavin Newsom, who went uh, on vacation in Montana, which is weird because they don't allow state travel to Montana because Montana isn't nice enough to gay people or something. And then uh, the the uh, spokesperson was like, "Well, this is what the governor's doing on on his private time. This isn't with state money. His his protection detail didn't come along. Of course they did. People despise you when you do that. When you're partying it up at French Laundry uh, there in Napa and Yonville, while people can't go see dying parents, they hate you." The the tide had already turned against Boris. He survived a no-confidence vote from his own party. And then you nominate this schmuck? You didn't know? That's sometimes possible that you don't know things. You didn't know that this man had groped two other men. But you add that to everything else and gone. What does this do to the UK? What does this do uh, to the to the future of Europe? Great question. Don't have a good answer for you. Because I haven't seen anything that shows that the disgust with Boris, with the prime minister, equates to a disgust with the party. The, uh, the, the, the leftist parties were pretty clear that uh, the person that they had put up, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, that anti-Semite, is not only not acceptable, is never, ever, ever, ever going to be acceptable. That doesn't mean that the left doesn't put up somebody else. That doesn't mean that there isn't a... Very, very uh, interesting uh, uh, election going on there. Uh, it means that what we what what we could see here, uh, what what is possible in an election, how does that change a a conversation about how they view Ukraine? Because the Europeans have to figure out how to deal with Ukraine as a European issue. And then, how does this play out in this idea of? Uh, European order and liberal order. That's the question. You know how they like to talk about, uh, you you heard Brian uh, Neese talk about a new liberal order. So what can we expect? What kind of leadership could be possible in, in, in the UK? And how does that change Europe? Something to keep an eye on. More from Boris Johnson. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And I've agreed with Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of our backbench MP. Oh, sorry, I already played that one. I thought I had a different clip. I thought I had another one. Talking about the golden, the future together is golden. I know that even if things can sometimes seem dark now, our future together is golden. I don't know if that man has much of a future. But second acts take place, baby. Second acts take place. Don't count anybody out. Oh, he's not the only guy out. Son of a gun. How I don't know how I missed this. Oh, I apologize, everybody. Kate Benningfield stepping down from the Biden team. Kate Benningfield, communications director, was with him as vice president, was there for the uh, election, uh, the strategy of, hey, stay in the basement. And and now as communications director, she's stepping away. She is stepping away. 
who wouldn't step away from this administration? Who wouldn't step away from this insanity? If you lost as many people as Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have lost in the past year, if it was Trump, it would be a 24-7 story. Disarray in the White House. A, a, a presidency teetering on the brink. Nobody wants to work with him. But it's Biden, so it, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's Biden, so therefore there's... It, it's it's no big deal. I still would argue, you know, people leave all the time. But I would argue that it's a pretty big deal. And then you have David Frum over there at the Washington Post with one of the more insane statements, uh, writing an article, and the article uh, said, uh, give Biden a break. Give Biden a break. What do you mean? What do you mean? Give Biden a break? What? 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 What, what am I supposed to to do with this? David Frum over at the Washington Post. Here's the deal, Democrats. You need to give Joe Biden a break. Why? Why in the world does anybody need to be given a break? The economy is a mess. The southern border is a mess. He failed to stop Russia. He's failing uh, to deal with China. We have unbelievable oil prices and gas prices in the country. And everyone believes he's a stooge. The only thing he can do is refer to the Supreme Court as extreme and lie about legislation in Florida because he doesn't give a damn about parental rights. Give him a break on what? Trump, no break. Biden gets a break. Why? Because he's an old man who can't keep up with the task at hand? Get rid of the guy. That's the answer. But this is just one great example of uh, the media insanity. And and I, you know why, why I hate uh, to utilize uh, the term hypocrisy. Because so many people use it. Man, there was a great one-two punch about not only just just hypocrisy, as that one is, but just the flat-out bigotry in media and how they go after stories. The part two of this coming right up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Far-right Latina. The New York Times... Never one to disappoint, trying to describe new representative Myra Flores. She won this election in Texas. Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today, it's great to be with you guys. So good. She wins this special election in Florida. First, first Republican. About the murderer in Highland Park. Seven people dead. He was on a rooftop shooting down, wearing women's clothing so he could escape with the crowd. He wanted to also engage in a shooting in Madison, Wisconsin. Drove up there, didn't feel that uh, he had the right uh, plan together. The father, conversations of uh, his actions, basically washing his hands of the whole thing, saying, hey, it wasn't me. As a matter of fact, we talked about the mass shooting that took place in Denmark, because there was a mass shooting in Denmark, three people dead. No one wanted to talk about that. 
This happened just a few days ago, a few days before what happened in, in Highland Park, Illinois. And supposedly his son said, yeah, that guy was a fool. That guy didn't know what he was doing. What? How ridiculous. You mean he didn't have a good enough plan? The whole thing, the more you get into it, the more awful and sick and twisted it gets. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. And then the latest, as the New York Post reports it, that this 22-year-old, never mind all the clear and obvious signs of mental illness, also had um, posted images of a teenage sex doll pushing out anti-Semitic remarks. Everything, everything we learn about this guy makes you question how he was able to get a firearm. So that's the question. If we're going to talk about, as they discuss, the common sense gun law conversation, well, isn't that what Illinois is filled with and nothing worked? Cam Edwards joins us right now. He's the editor-in-chief of BearingArms.com. Uh, I will call an expert on the Second Amendment uh, by far and certainly one of my go-to guys. His latest, How the Highland Park Suspect Got Guns Legally Despite Threats of Violence. Cam, it's good to have you with us, Cam Edwards, on Twitter at Cam Edwards. We don't use names here, so we're going to avoid using uh, the name of, of this killer we don't i'm not interested in creating martyrs out, out of anybody uh but i want you to if you would break down the the rules of illinois there's this idea of something called a foid which is a card you need in order to purchase a firearm how the father gets involved the what we know about this kid's history and how this it, in a world of background checks wasn't discovered walk us walk us through it in this piece that you wrote at bearingarms.com Sure. Appreciate it, Tony. And uh, by the way, we have the same policy at, uh, at Bering Arms as well. Um, we, we don't name these suspects. I don't want to give them the attention that, they, uh, that they're that they seeking in many cases. But, you know, in, in this case, I think you've got really two points of failure. You've got the failure of law enforcement. You've got the failure of the family. Uh, so as you mentioned, in Illinois, in order to legally possess a firearm in your home, you have to have what's called a firearm owner ID card, which requires you to apply to the Illinois State Police. They put you through a background check. It's basically the same process as, as buying a gun, only it's, you know, your your uh, application to exercise your right to keep a gun in your home. Uh, this law is actually being challenged in court. The Illinois State Supreme Court recently punted on the constitutionality of this law, sent it back down to the uh, to the lower courts. They've been trying very, very hard to avoid ruling on the substance of this law because I think it's unconstitutional, quite frankly. But it is on the books right now. Uh, and as it stands, if you are 18, 19, or 20 years old uh, and you are applying for a FOID card, you basically need an endorsement from uh, an adult or a, a family member. And in this case, it was the suspect's father who signed off on this three months after police had come to, I guess, his mom's house uh, on reports that he was that the suspect was threatening to, quote, kill everybody. And when police got there. Uh, apparently family members said, no, no, that wasn't the case. But they ended up taking, I think it was like 16 different bladed weapons uh, from the home. And then a short time later, the suspect's dad contacts police and says, hey, those are actually my knives. And so the police returned the knives. Now, earlier that same year, this is 2019, uh, April of 2019, police were called out to the house because the suspect was apparently threatening to commit suicide. 
And the family said at the time, um, we'll deal with it. We'll make sure that he gets the, the mental health help that he needs. And the police said, OK, fine. Uh, and they left. So there are a couple of issues here. Uh, first, the, the, the lack of response um, or the lack of, of, of really you know, delving deeply into this on the part of law enforcement officers. You can make the case that the you know, first incident back in April when the family said, we'll take care of this, we'll make sure he gets the help he needs, that police you know, could have walked away uh, believing that this was going to be a situation that was resolved. But to me, when they're called out four months later, and now the threat has gone from he's trying to he's starting to kill himself to now he's starting to kill other people. I don't understand. Forget the the red flag law in Illinois. I don't understand why the police didn't invoke the civil commitment law in this case and say, listen, um, we know what you're saying, but somebody called us out here. Uh, we're going to take him in, have him evaluated, see if a mental health professional believes that he's a danger to himself or others, and that way he makes we make sure that he gets the help that he needs. That didn't happen. Not only was the red flag law, which went into effect in Illinois in 2019, not invoked, but the civil commitment law, which has been on the books for decades, was never used by law enforcement. So that's the first problem. But I got to tell you, again, as a father, I have a huge issue with the dad, uh, you know, basically endorsing his son, knowing the troubles that he was having just months earlier. Uh, and you know, for the for the father, I know he's given some interviews afterwards. The attorney says, "Oh, he's being scapegoated." No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think that there really are questions about why the dad would say, "Yeah, I think my son is good to go" when it comes to owning a firearm. Having said that, that was back in 2019, and this Floyd card could have been revoked at any time by the Illinois State Police if there were any signs that this guy was. Uh, a danger to himself or others, if he had been accused of a crime beforehand. Um, so that was, you know, three years ago, about two and a half years ago, when he applied for his FOID card. And apparently he didn't do anything over the past couple of years to draw the attention of, of law enforcement. Although certainly, again, when you look at his social media, um, there were a lot of concerns that, that probably should have been raised over the course of the last couple of years. Talking to Cam Edwards, BearingArms.com. But we look now at at some of the things that have been discussed and and President Biden just signed into law. And one of these, something you and I discussed, was the idea of looking at juvenile records. We're going to look at juvenile records for people who are under the age uh, of 21 uh, if they're going to buy a a long rifle to see if they're eligible uh, to to do so. Like we do background checks in the U.S. via uh, the National Instant Background uh, Check System, the NICS system as it's referred to. My argument was... If we're going to take a look at someone's juvenile record when they're 20, why aren't we taking a look at juvenile records when they're 30? This, uh, ugly as it is, proves my point that we're not looking at juvenile records because he was 22 or, 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 or 21 when he purchased uh, the weapon. He was he was therefore uh, it was fine and good and it didn't matter. So well, it seems hey, that hey, we're engaged in legislation because he didn't what? have a juvenile record. But that's he, important to note here. He didn't have a juvenile record. He was so never the stuff arrested. in 2019 wasn't on he a juvenile record. Charged. That's hold not, on, hold on, Cam. I want to make sure I'm clear. Is not going to be a disqualifying factor for you owning a gun. Cam, hold on. You're talking hold about on. Cam, 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 Cam. Give me one second. You're looking for convictions. You're looking for adjudications of mental defectiveness. You're looking for a prohibiting factor. Police coming out to your house that doesn't result in charges, that doesn't result in a conviction is not going to be a disqualifying factor to purchase a firearm. Are you saying to me, Cam, 
that his 2019 attempted suicide, and then five months later, the threat to kill his family that police were called out for, that's where they found the 16 knives, the dagger and the sword, that where the father then said, oh, no, wait, bring them back. Those are mine. I just kept them in his room for safekeeping. That doesn't. That never went on a record anywhere? According to the Highland Park Police, they submitted a report to, uh, I think it's called a clear and present danger report to the Illinois State Police. But again, because there were no charges, he wasn't involved in the court system. He, he didn't He didn't ever have to go to court for that incident. So the Illinois State Police said, look, that's not enough information for us to say no to, to giving him a license. And, and that's exactly the type of subjective stuff that goes on in blue states like New York where they can say, well, listen, you know, I know you haven't been convicted of a crime, but, I mean, police came out to your house like four years ago. What was that all about? Why, why should we let you own a gun? The failure here, again, is on law enforcement. They had the opportunity to press charges. They had the opportunity to invoke the civil commitment law. But you can't say that, well, you know, we, we should change the law to make it easier to deprive people of their Second Amendment rights if police go out to their house at some point. That's not the answer. You're not going to get an argument from me on that because I, I, I agree with you. I was just under the the belief that the the police being called out for the threatening to kill the family was something that was part of, of the record. If that wasn't part of the record, it does lead to, as you're discussing, this idea of, well, what do we go after and what don't we? There is a societal question here that is pretty large that both uh, lawful gun owners and uh, the, the gun grabbers do need to wrestle with, which is what do we want from law enforcement to be able to put on the books, if you will, on, on someone's record? Are we... Do we err on the side of the people's rights and say, if no one's pressing charges, there's nothing we can do? Or is there some level of notation that needs to be uh, uh, addressed here? And I think that's why, like like many people, you're taking a look at the father and saying, how could you how could you be somebody who signs off on this? And that leads to, is there a culpability? for parents in these situations and is there a position of of uh, people uh, of course on the side of the second amendment who say that parents maybe need to have a culpability in this well i think the culpability is uh certainly something that's being looked at here i i think it's a lot easier to prove culpability when the issue is somebody who's a minor uh for instance the uh, uh suspect in the oxford uh michigan high school shooting uh, whose parents are being charged right um, that's a little bit different. This this suspect in Highland Park was 18. He was an adult when he applied for his FOID card. It was just that Illinois law requires, again, if you're under the age of 21, to have somebody, uh, you know, basically endorse you. Um, the fact that he was 21 when this mass shooting took place, I, I think also, you know, cuts against the idea that the father is ultimately culpable or, or bears some legal responsibility here. I have questions, again, about why the dad, said, yeah, I think my son's good to go back in 2019, but I'm not so sure that that makes him responsible for what happened in 2022. Talking to Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com, you know, the, the, the big difference between 
I'm, I'm going to use an us and them uh, statement, but ho- hopefully it, it makes sense. The, the big difference between us and them is that for them, the answer is the elimination of the Second Amendment. For us, uh, the, the answer is trying to understand what has happened in cases and see whether or not there's anything there that actually should should precipitate. There it is. Thank you, Tony. A change. Should there be any level of changes? I think that when we take a step back from the nitty-gritty and look a little bit higher, Illinois is a place of what they call these common-sense gun laws. Yet for all of that and the things that you're discussing, none of it made a difference here. So are we going in it to a circular logic of the idea of, well, more laws is clearly the answer when all the laws didn't stop anything? Yeah, that's the I mean, you're right. That That's the Democratic playbook, right? Well, uh, clearly, because this happened, we have all these gun control laws in the books. That means that we don't have enough. We must need more. Um, I, again, I say the answer in, in, in this case, one of the things we really need to be looking at is the existing criminal justice system and how it operates on a day to day basis. You know, because in every one of these cases in Buffalo and Uvalde, now in Highland Park, you can go back and say, wait, wait, wait. Why didn't the police actually do something? There were multiple you know, trips out to these houses. There were multiple reports of these individuals doing stuff that, that we would consider at least weird uh, and, and possibly rises to the level of criminal activity. But why was there nothing other than police contact? Why were, there, why, why, why were prosecutors never brought in? Why were no charges ever filed? And the sad truth, Tony, is that we have a dysfunctional criminal justice system. Ninety-seven percent of felony cases in this country are plea bargained down. I just ran a story yesterday at Bearing Arms about a guy in uh, Detroit, Wayne County, Michigan. Now, this guy was accused of a drive-by shooting while he was out on bond. He was on GPS monitoring. Uh, He was accused of violating his bond conditions five different times. He gets hauled in before a judge to explain himself, and the judge says, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to remove your GPS monitoring device so we don't have to know the next time you break the law. And you're free to go, sir. You're, you're released on your own personal recognizance. That is what's happening in courtrooms across the country every day. If you think that the criminal justice system takes violent criminal behavior seriously, you're fooling yourself. We have a shortage of prosecutors. We have a shortage of public defenders. We do not have a functional criminal justice system. And adding more gun control laws onto this broken system isn't going to do anything to make anybody one iota safer. I want to move it over to um, uh, another story that you had about a poll. But hearing you say that, you know, uh, people, they, they know you as, as, as a gun guy, but they, they don't know you as a culture guy. And the next time uh, you're with us, we're going to dig into the culture problems here, books you've written about fatherhood and things like that, because it, it, our, our culture problem is the problem. But while I still have 60 seconds or so, you wrote about a poll that was done, uh, Mammoth University poll, and talks about the biggest concerns uh, for voters and... Um, Guns don't even rank in double digits. No, 3% of voters said that guns uh, was their top concern. I think another 2% said crime was their top concern. 63% gave some version of the economy, whether it was inflation, grocery prices, gas prices. That is the driving issue right now. Now, it doesn't mean that people don't care about violent crime. It doesn't mean that people aren't concerned about what we're seeing in places like Uvalde and Highland Park. 
But it does mean that, you know, fundamentally, when you ask people what is the single most important issue right now, it's their kitchen table issues. It's their wallet issues, right? It is. It's things cost more. I'm not making much more. Sometimes I might, I might even be making less. And I'm worried how to put gas in my tank. I'm worried how to put a roof over my kid's head. I'm worried how to put food on the table at night. That is what is driving this election. Um, oh, 150%. Uh, check out the article over there at BearingArms.com. Cam, I'm just up against the time. We're going to have you back. We're going to get into more of this. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Speaking of inflation being the number one concern, economy, the Fed is no longer hinting, as we know. The Federal Reserve is telling you interest rates will go up. Sharply higher rates might be needed to quell inflation. If you think you've seen big now, you haven't seen anything. Three quarters of a point in, in July, just like they did in June, or are we going to see it? We're going to see the full point. Are we going to see the full point increase in the month of July to signal we've got a bigger problem than we realize? Yet the Biden people want to still tell you the economy is booming, I tell you. It's booming. Stunning. This uh, connects with a story about pawn shops. I will I will share the pawn shop story. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today.